This morning we're continuing our teaching from this series uh, with Matthew 15. Matthew 15 is really where, where um, uh, the, some of Jesus' testing comes. He gives, us, he gives us some really interesting thoughts this morning about um, the relationship between our mouths and our hearts. And for us to learn more about that is a good thing because um, I think almost every person in this room talks occasionally. Some of you talk too much. Um, but we all talk occasionally. And for us then to think, what does it mean when I speak? What does it mean when I say what it is that I say? And how is that a part of my walk with God? That's what we're going to learn a little bit about this morning as we do that. Let's pray God's blessing and presence on our time. Father, speak to us. Speak through me. Speak in us through the power of your word. Lord, we pray that we might be encouraged to consider our hearts today and that relationship that they have, that our hearts have with our mouths, with our speech, with what it is that we say. Lord, we pray that we can be encouraged today, that we can be comforted, that we can be challenged, that we can be reminded that you are a God who loves us, does not want us to stay where we are, but continue to develop and grow, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, with an idea, Lord, that as we do so, we become more and more like you. We pray these things all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, uh, quite a long time ago, about 15 years ago or so, um, I, uh, there was a, a young woman in uh, the church that I was serving who um, had a really tragic thing happen to her. She was um, in a traffic accident. Um, a drunk driver hit her and her friend who were driving in a car, and um, she ended up, it was pretty serious. She had some internal damage. I believe she had some issues with her liver as well as some other organs, and she had just begun, because she was young, fairly recent out of college, she had just begun a job at a local hospital as, as a nurse. And um, those of you who have ever gone through that process of getting a new, do- new job, you know that idea of probation, a probationary period when you get hired on. There's a period of time where technically you're not a full employee. It's a different sort of arrangement. It's sort of at will a little bit. They can fire you or, or um, with, with some different reasons. And, and there's some of the benefits of your job you don't fully get until your probationary t- period is done. So this young woman was was four months into her probationary period as a nurse when the accident happened. And unfortunately, um, the result of the accident forced her to be off work for about three months, which um, since she was on her probationary period, the um, hospital that she was working for, in essence, said to her, well, then we're just going to, you know, terminate you and then we'll hire you back on when you can come back in which is sort of one of those things where you're you know I mean maybe it makes some good business sense but it just doesn't seem very nice doesn't it because then she would have to start this whole probationary period again they were also because they were terminating her terminating her medical benefits and she obviously had some issues because of the accident 
And so she, she was concerned, and she was um, away from her family. Her family lived in Michigan. She was in California, and so she really didn't feel like, you know, she had a lot of the support. Her family came out and checked on her, but they had stuff at home too, so they couldn't stay here with her. And so at one point, she called me, or I, I called her, I don't remember, and we were talking, and she said, I just don't know what I'm going to do because I'm going to lose my medical benefits. And I said, well, your family isn't here Maybe, maybe I, I know she had a meeting with one of the arbitrators at the, at the hospital, and I said, well, why don't I go along with you? And I can just sort of represent the family and be a, be a friend to you. She said, sure, why don't you join me? So I found out about this meeting at 8 o'clock in the morning. The meeting was at 10. Um, Kristen was already at work. The kids were already at school um, at that time, so I was in my office. I drove home. I showered, I shaved, I did my hair with gel, which I never do, and I put on my wedding suit, black suit with a red power tie. I shine my shoes, and um, I make sure I got my briefcase, which I also never use, and in my briefcase, I had a legal pad and my nicest pen. And I went to the hospital and met this young lady before we went in to go and talk to the arbitrator. And we walked into the room with the arbitrator and um, she greeted us and she asked us to take a seat, a small room table with three chairs. We sat there and um, she said uh, who she was and then she asked me who I was. And I told her my name. I said, I'm Scott Algersma. I'm a friend of the family. And she said, oh. And it was so interesting to watch because as this woman began to talk, she was talking to the young woman who was there and there was some concern. But as she was doing that, I made sure to open my briefcase, pull out my yellow legal pad, have it sitting there in front of me and writing down everything that she said. And within the first 10 minutes, she wasn't talking to the young woman anymore. She was talking to me. Why was she talking to me? What did she think? She thought I was a lawyer. She believed wholeheartedly that I was representation for this young woman, that we were probably going to file a wrongful termination lawsuit or some other such thing in order for her to get her job back. And the funny part is, is about two hours after our meeting was done, the young lady got a call, said, we're not terminating you. When you're ready to come back, you can come back. And everything's okay. Now, I want to make it clear. I did not lie. (laughs) I did not lie. I told the full and complete truth. They asked me who I was. I said I was a friend of the family. That is it. If she would have asked me if I was representation, I would have said no. If I was a lawyer, I would have said no. She did not ask me that question because... Um, In this particular situation, knowing who I was would have mattered if she had dug deeper. Knowing who I was would have changed the conversation. And in the passage that we're talking about here this morning in Matthew 15, the Pharisees are going after Jesus to try to understand who he is. They're, in a sense, checking his pedigree. They're not like the arbiter. 
that was in the, the story that I just told. These are people, the Pharisees, who are really pushing. They're asking the harder questions. They're wondering whether or not Jesus is, first of all, a true Jew. And they're also wondering whether or not he has any level of authority to say what it is that he's saying. They're checking up on him. And so often, friends, we give the Pharisees, those of us who know Scripture well, um, we give the Pharisees a bad rap, right? I mean, they are the ones who led the, the call to crucify Jesus. They are the ones who he regularly gets in conflict with. They're regularly ones who create that fight with Jesus. And this morning, they're picking another fight. Turn in your text to Matthew 15, verses 1 through 20. We'll begin there with the first two verses. It says there, Then some Pharisees, teachers of the law, came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. So here they're, they're testing, they're, they're wondering whether or not Jesus, um, Jesus is living into his Jewishness because the Jewish tradition said that you had to do certain things at different times. Not always completely from the word of God. There were other, um, uh, there were other things that they, they, they read and they wrote a whole series of teachings where um, they were beyond scripture that said, here's how it is that we observe the law. And that tradition said, here's how you do things, especially when you eat and your disciples aren't doing it. Now, we can say, okay, the Pharisees are picking a fight. But remember, this is part of what we call rabbinic tradition. Rabbinic tradition is having a rabbi, a teacher, with a group of students. And rabbinic tradition... And it was a lot of different things. But one of the things that it was most about was asking challenging questions back and forth to understand more fully what was being taught. And the Pharisees, although they were not disciples, followers of Jesus, they were living into rabbinic tradition in that they as teachers could also challenge or question another teacher. We give them a bad rap and say they are picking a fight. It seems like they're picking a fight. But it was also acceptable to do so for the simple reason that in doing so, you would prove or disprove a rabbi's authority to be able to teach. And they were questioning whether or not Jesus understood what we call cleanliness or dietary laws. And the question that they were asking is, why do you let your disciples make themselves unclean? The idea was that if you didn't wash your hands appropriately before eating, then your hands were unclean, whatever food they touched was unclean, therefore what you brought in was unclean. And for a Pharisee to do that, or any other Jewish leader, would make you unclean and unfit then to do your duties, which were all about the temple, you couldn't go in the temple if you were unclean. So they're asking Jesus, why is it that you allow uncleanliness in your disciples? But Jesus lives into rabbinic tradition too. You see there verses 3 through 9, it says there, Jesus replied, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses their father or mother is not to be put to death. 
But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Again, Jesus is living into rabbinic tradition. Rabbinic tradition said that if you were asked a question, that you would answer that question. But if you asked another question of the person who had asked it of you, they had to answer the question first, then you would answer your question. So Jesus poses them this question. He says, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your traditions? He gives them a curveball. And they can't answer. Because they know all of a sudden that they're, they're caught. And he's, he's even going beyond, you know, sort of deflecting their questions. He's beginning to say, you call me unclean. Guess what? Look in the mirror, friends. You Pharisees are, you're missing it. Your uncleanliness is clear to all, clear to me. And I want to share that with all. And he's calling out their hypocrisy and their greed. Why is he calling out their greed? Because here's how it went. Someone would have something that they could support their father or mother who is perhaps aged or infirm or something. And they would say, well, we could give that to our parents or we could give it to the temple. Well, if you're a Pharisee, which one of those do you like? You like it to the temple. You like it to the Pharisees because that's your income. And if they say, well, I'm going to consecrate it to God by giving it to the temple, giving it to the Pharisees, giving it to the religious leaders, then the Pharisees had to, weigh, uh, had to make a way for that to be okay. So they said, oh, if it's consecrated to God, then don't worry about honoring your father or your mother. Sure, give it to the temple. That's okay. God will take care of your parents. Jesus is calling out their hypocrisy and greed in such a way that it's not just about behavior. It's about the heart. It's about what's inside. And, and Jesus is saying that if you as religious leaders are messed up inside, then anyone who follows you who is in trouble. Is this something that we have to think about today in our world? Messed up leaders that are sometimes really hard to follow because their hearts seem really messy. That sound familiar? That's why this is such a contemporary conversation. And that's why it's become increasingly more difficult for us to trust leaders, isn't it? Because so many have been exposed for their hypocrisy. So many have been exposed for their greed. So many have been exposed for their foolishness. And that's happened on so many levels. Certainly it's happened in the political realm. It's happened in the business world. It's happened in the medical field. It's happened in the religious communities. And it becomes increasingly more difficult to trust leaders. It becomes harder and harder. Even this past week, media took another hit. The news director, I think he was the news director for CBS News. All of a sudden, he's out of a job because of some behavior that he's accused of. 
becomes harder and harder to wonder, who is it that I can believe in? Who is it that I can trust? And Jesus, by this teaching this morning, begins to give us a little bit of a litmus test on how to trust leaders. And it's not just with, about their eloquence. It's not just about what it is that they say, whether or not we agree with it or, or think it's a, a, a good argument. He's saying that you need to listen to people's words well because when you do, you can hear their heart. Continue to read with me, verse 10. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. He's saying that stuff, that legalistic tradition that you're talking about of not washing your hands right, that's not what defiles you. What defiles you is the outward stuff. What defiles is the words that you speak. And my guess is, and as, as we look through the scriptures, we see Jesus over and over again making these sorts of calls. It's not just about making sure you don't swear, friends. It's not just about, I put it, an email out on Friday to you as a community, um, just about what we were going to talk about this morning. It's not being a person who someone doesn't have to say to you, watch your mouth, because there's some four-letter word that slips in occasionally, or maybe way too often. That's not what this is about. In fact, it's much bigger than that. It's asking the question, do your words, does your mouth speak life? Or does it speak death? Let me clarify that a little bit. Do you build others up around you with the love of Jesus Christ or tear them down? Do you gossip about another and make sure that people all know or understand all the latest juicy tidbits? Or are your words come off in anger, especially about those you would disagree with politically? Especially about those people that you disagree with when it comes to, you know, whatever. Theology, religion, politics, whatever. Issues like race or, or immigration or all the other contentious issues. How is it that you speak about others who are on the opposite side of the fence from you? More and more, what I'm understanding about myself is those words. Even, and I talked about it last week, speaking about a person's behavior in a way that is not about an identity but is calling out the behavior and doing so in a way which creates as we talked about last last week peacemaking love hope and life you will read things this week you will see things this week there will be reports this week and because we're in the world that we are in there is going to be new things this week that are going to make you crazy and you are going to say something like why that big fill in the blank you may say it with your mouth you may say it with your heart that will happen what do you do with that as you engage with it how is it that you speak because Christ is calling the disciples in this to really watch their speech because it betrays their heart. And the more that you and I can love one another, that we can love our enemies, bless and not 
persecute or bless and not fight against them. When, when we can, with that person in our life who pushes our buttons in just the wrong way, respond to them with peacemaking. That's where the heart of this is. That's why Jesus is saying to the disciples, watch what it is that you say, what your speech is, how you engage with the world around you, because by doing so, you show who you are in here. And friends... That's how we wonder about who we follow. That's how we consider who is it that we will allow to lead us. It's oftentimes one of the reasons, it's getting more and more for me, that I read less books that are quote-unquote hot books on leadership or church um, culture or anything like that, in part because I want to spend time interacting with that person's thoughts and ideas in different ways before I buy fully into what it is that they're going to put down into this big book or production or program or whatever it is. There are some people that I trust. Why? Because they've lived lives and lived into um, speaking words of life and hope. And their words are not about drawing lines in the world or in our culture. They're instead about building bridges, bridges of love and life and about peacemaking. All that other sort of stuff. And for us to be very careful of that. In a minute, we're going to talk about media specifically there. So get ready, because i got some strong things to say about that. Verse 12. Then the disciples came to him and asked, asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? Which is really a wonderful question. Do you, want, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? And you can imagine that Jesus said, yeah, that sort of was the intention. He replied, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are, listen to these words, blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, explain the parable to us. Jesus is in a mood, so he says this. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and out of the body, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and those defile them. And listen to this list. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, Slander. These are what defile a person by eating with unwashed hands. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. He calls the people and us here to listen to and follow those who can see, not blind guides. Otherwise, they're bound, we're bound to be led astray and look at those signs for the blind. And especially the last two are ones that I'm, I want to talk about in a moment pretty particularly because I think they have implications for us. Christ is teaching that our hearts matter more than that outward stuff, friends. That for us to guard and be intentional about our hearts and for us also then to be intentional about what's going on in them, but what we give to them, what we bring in, what we allow them to be affected by. Here's something that I know. I know that my heart can be moved very quickly by some stuff. I'll give you an example. 
I'm 12 years old. I think I was 12, maybe a little bit. I think, yeah, I was, let's say, I'll, I'll say 14. I was 14 years old. Um, I lied to my parents and told them I was going to go see some movie that I wasn't going to go see, and I went to see Arnold Schwarzenegger's Commando. Anyone seen the movie? Some of you have? Okay. I can tell you this. It is an uber-violent um, Arnold Schwarzenegger gung-ho macho movie. He, this was back in the, um, this would have been the late 80s, early 90s, and the dude just was cut. He was huge. He was enormous, and he was tough, and of course, he talked like Arnold, and so it was cool for a 14-year-old boy. And I watched this movie in the theaters uh, with a couple of my friends, not telling my parents. And you know what happened after the movie is done? Because it's a shoot 'em up movie. There's tons of gratuitous violence. I would not recommend that you watch it um, because of that and because of other reasons. But um, I can tell you this. I walked out of that movie theater and it was like I couldn't sit still. I was looking for somebody to have a fight with. I was trying to figure out how I could get a large automatic weapon just to shoot things because it was affecting me. It got, it's, it, Chuck, two words, top gun. Does that do it for you? Fires you up. You have your movie. And maybe it's that sense of energy. Maybe it's the sense uh, of your heart for a number of years ago. Notebook, right? Similar sort of thing. What goes in has impact on us. What we consume betrays the energy inside of us. You know what else does? Fox News. You know what else does? CNBC, MSNBC, whatever website you go to, whatever blogs you read, NBC News, CBS News, it doesn't matter what it is. It speaks to us, comes inside and does something in us and it's movement. How many of us have been, when we've watched our news channel, got fired up? Right? But here's one of my questions about that. Do you ever on those particular news venues or media sites or whatever it is here, let me see, I, I might have these words somewhere here in this book. False testimony or slander. You ever hear those? You ever hear them? And I'm going to say this, probably once about every minute and a half. Depending on what you're watching. Depending on what you're reading. Now, I'm not trying to pick a political side, a particular political perspective. You know me, friends. I try to walk the line really intentionally, really well, because for us to navigate that is much more complex than we could do from me standing in the pulpit here. But what I can say is this. Christ calls us this morning to be cautious about the people that we lead so we don't follow those who are blind. And the litmus test for those who are blind are certain behaviors that he shows there, including false testimony and slander. 
and thus for us to consider the source that we are receiving our information from and whether or not they are worthy of our following them or are they in fact a blind guide. Because if we take in what they give us, it impacts our hearts. And Christ calls us to whatever is noble, whatever is pure, Whatever is righteous, whatever is holy, think on such things. So when we listen to people who build others up, who may call out behavior, but in a way that builds a bridge instead of a way that throws a knife. For us to consider our own hearts and why what we do and how we engage with the world around us matters. Because we long for our hearts to be what? A place where the Holy Spirit dwells, right? And the place where the Holy Spirit dwells shouldn't be defiled. It shouldn't be a place where we countenance slander. Where we countenance false testimony. Where we countenance so many of the phrases. So many of the stuff that we see. So, many, so much of the stuff that we read. That we countenance and say that's just part of doing business. No. My heart matters too much for that. Because it is the Lord's dwelling. It is the place where in his grace God has said to me that's where I get to be. Take care of it for me. Guard it, protect it, allow it to be a place for my holiness to be within you, to lead you, to guide you, to show you the world with my eyes and not your own. Friends, as we live into this, asking the question, and and you're going to interact with stuff even today. How do you hear that when the, when the slander comes, when the false test, when other words that don't build up but break down, when, when some of those things that fire us up and get us, get us into fight or flight mode, what do we say? Do we find the upper right corner or the upper left, left corner and close a window? Do we find the channel changer and go watch HGTV instead of whatever else it is that we're watching? Do we close maybe the newspaper? Do we put the book back on the shelf? Do we seek to change the way the conversation is happening with the person that we've had the conversation with before? Friends, our hearts matter. And who we follow is this too. And Christ calls us today and in this week to equip ourselves, not with those who are blind, but with those who see with eyes wide open to lead us. And to have hearts that are pure and holy so that he might fully enjoy his dwelling in us through the Holy Spirit so that the world around us might see his light shine through us. That's our work for this week. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we long for your dwelling within us to be full We long to be a people whose hearts have been fully and completely transformed by your love and your grace. There's so many in this room who have heard that call of love and grace and hope, whose hearts have been changed and continue to change as they grow and mature in what it means to follow you. 
And there are people here in this room who don't, don't yet understand what that heart means. They don't know that transformation. They don't know, Lord, that you call to us. That you do stand at the door and knock. And ask to be let in. And our hearts are your dwelling place. Lord, for those who are wondering, I pray that you prompt them, move them, compel them. Lord, not just with a a sense of guilt or an obligation, but Lord, with a sense of hope and gratitude because of what you will do in them. Of anticipation of what it might be like if my life is lived in relationship with Christ. He dwells in me. Praying, Lord, that you prompt those who are in that space. They might respond to that. Lord, maybe they come and they ask a question or two of me or another person, Lord, that that they just want to know who more about who Jesus is and what that love means. Lord, we pray that as we go from this place, we go in wisdom and discernment, that we consume things with our eyes and with our minds, Lord, that feed hearts of love and grace. That instead of us responding viscerally to things that, Lord, take us away from you, where we've been led by a blind person, that instead we seek out and find those things that compel us more deeply towards those things which glorify you, that show us more of who you are, that show us more of what your kingdom looks like in the world around us as we are a part of building it. Lord, I pray that we can be wise and discerning. Especially, Lord, in this world, I pray that we can be wise and discerning when we think about wonder how it is that we love one another. How is it that we love our enemies? How is it that we love those who we disagree with and do so in a way which brings us together? Father, give us that wisdom because you're the only one who can. We pray these things all in the name of Jesus. Amen.